When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Two Cups of Tea. I'm Chris Heath, and today is a special family edition of the podcast. In that, I'm talking to my own dad as he entered his eighth decade on the planet. My aim is to make a brew and hear his life story while trying to discover some things I never knew about him before. I had a wee next to George Best, elbow to elbow, and then we set fire to it. I had a thing called Snoopy Sniffer, and it was a mechanical... I went to the toilet once, there was a woman milking a goat in one of the toilets. Honestly. <laughs> I knew it was time to leave when people were saying, you taught my grandma. <laughs> so here we go. Let's stick the kettle on and meet Michael Heath Sr. Here's the theme tune. Well, you've already derailed the format of the show, by hating tea. Well, I'm sorry about that. I used to drink tea until I was about 10, but I had to have six spoonfuls of sugar in it to take the taste away. <laughs> and then I suddenly thought... It doesn't defeat the object of it, does it? When all is, your teeth fall out. Yeah, this is not not, not great, so... Um, what's that? Welcome to Two Cups of Tea. This is the whippersnapper special, because you are a good 10 years younger than even my youngest guest, so you should feel suitably honoured... Well, I'm in my eighth decade. Michael Edward Heath. Take us back. When were you born? I was born in 1947. Yeah. And it's actually snowing today, and it was snowing the day that I was born. My mother was snowballing. It, 1947 was the most horrendous winter. Was she really snowballing? And was in a, involved in a snowball fight and fell over, because I was six weeks premature. And the fact that she fell over brought m- my birth forward by about six weeks. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? I said, no, it's, the, the, the six weeks premature thing isn't the amazing bit. Nan snowballing is the amazing bit. I can't imagine that. Well, she came from Greece. Yeah. And although she she won a medal for skiing, apparently, mm. um, so she would have known what snow was, What not really used to sort of snow that you get. The, that particular winter was a dreadful winter, apparently. So what did she want a medal? What for? Skiing. Did she? Well, they had mountains in Greece. No, no. I mean, just, like you, you wouldn't expect people to snow in it uh, to ski in Italy. I just find it yeah. even harder to imagine her skiing than having a snowball fight. <laughs> 1947. Yeah. Where? Where was this? Um, I might have been born at home. I've got very few memories before I was about four. What was the first memory then? It was um, piloting a boat through the Corinth Canal on the bridge with the captain's hat on. 
and me being told that I was steering the boat. <laughs> Is that in the same sense that I was? I used to get told that I was I was making the Yorkshire pudding when really I just whisked yeah. it a bit. I mean, we were travelling from Brindisi to Piraeus in Greece. Yeah, I was four, and my mother managed to sort of wangle us to go up onto the bridge. And I remember him putting the cap on my head. He also gave me an half an orange to eat. Mm. So, um, so I'm eating this half an orange, and I'm then steering the boat through the Corinth Canal. And yeah. I've, I've never forgotten that. And every time we go, go across the Corinth Canal now and look, yeah. I always think back to... You want an orange? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your mum. Well, my mum um, spoke six languages fluently, mm. um, was at university in Vienna during the Second World War, hated it because of the Nazi occupation, and... Um, Went back to Greece. Because she is Greek. She was Greek. Yeah. I've still got the paperwork with the Nazi swastika stamped on it that um, she was put in a, into a, a boarded train. She, in other words, you, she wasn't allowed to get off between Vienna and Athens. Wow. Um, and she got a job with the British Army as, a, as an interpreter. Mm. My father, who was a sergeant major during the, the, the Second World War, he'd, he'd fought in North Africa, Italy... And then in in, um, in Greece, yeah, um, and she was assigned to him. And one thing, like, he apparently, looked a bit like Ronald Coleman. So he, she was her, his interpreter. Yeah, I didn't know that. Ah, well, and my father. That sounds that's a rom- that sounds like a romantic <laughs> movie. Yeah, we should well, we should write this. He he was a, a very sort of fair in terms of hair colour. Guy, yeah, and he and and with, he was like a blonde David Niven, but with quite white skin. But he he used to sort of go red one day, and then he'd be bronze the next. He, he never burnt, bugger. And so he looked quite suave with a, with a with a, a, a tan, mm. and obviously sh- shouting off, shouting at the soldiers on the parade ground, etc. Mm. Gave him a bit more authority. And my mum, I say, was assigned to him, and um, ended up bringing her back to England. So that means that your mum, my yeah. nan was in Nazi-occupied Greece. Because not many people necessarily know that Greece was occupied by the Nazis, who haven't seen Captain Corelli's mandolin. (laughs) Yeah, my mother was a very strong character. Yeah. And she bore on her ankle a scar for for the whole of her life. She went up to a Nazi soldier, a German soldier in the street, Mm. raised an arm and shouted, Heil Greece, instead of Heil Hitler. That's probably a mistake. And he kicked her. On the he, ankle, he, he, he kicked on the ankle, on, and she had that. She had a, a mark on her ankle for the rest of her life. Greece suffered tremendously by the, the Nazis because they occupied, they took a lot of the food away. A lot of people starved to death in Greece because mm. of the Nazi occupation. So, Grandad brings yeah. Nan back from Greece, yeah, which is a bit of a shock, culture, massive culture shock because. My the family in Greece. My grandfather was a chemist. He'd studied at Berlin University. He spoke German fluently, mm. and he used to go out at night on behalf of the resistance movement, spreading messages. Really? Uh, yeah. And if if he'd been if he didn't know the the correct password for um, the Greeks at that time, if they'd found him, they would have killed, they would have shot him, killed him. So he had to know the, the correct password that night if he was stopped. So it, if, it reset each night or something? Yeah, yeah. And if the Germans spoke to him, he would speak to them in fluent German and say he was half German, half Greek. Mm. And he used to go out um, taking... Because he was fluent yeah, German. They had, they, had, they had a radio in the basement of the house, which he used to listen to um, to London, and he'd go out taking messages and so on. Um, and 
they even had two servants still this during is, the this war. This sounds like the proper resistance with secret yeah. radios. Oh, it was, and... yeah. I mean, I've been to the house. I mean, when I went to Greece, when I was after the, the Corinth Canal, mm. I lived at that house for about six, seven months. I had my fifth birthday there. Yeah. Um, and, I, and it was a th- it's, it's now a huge bank. The Nazis wanted to take that house, mm. um, and they were persuaded to have the house next door, which belonged to my grandfather's father, and so they kept this house, which was a huge house. Yeah. And they still had two servants during the war. Um, so hang on. So the Nazis took over the house next door yeah. to a house that in the basement had a resist yeah. the resistance yeah. operating out of it in the basement with radios. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a really risky thing to happen. Perhaps, well, I mean, if you're going to speed, speed past the police station because that's the one place you probably won't get caught. Yeah. <laughs> so Peterborough was, for all sorts of reasons, Peterborough... I imagine was a culture shock. Huge. For Nan, your mum. She was listening to the weather forecast one day mm. and they said that there would be scattered showers. Yeah. Now, the word scatter in Greek yeah. um, means... <laughs> Poo-poo. <laughs> yeah, as in the word scatological. It comes yeah, from, yeah. from that. And she thought, my God, what sort of country have I come from if it's going to rain... Poo-poo. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she didn't know the word scattered. She tells the scattered showers. And yes. I tell you what, if you, it's certain days in Peterborough when it's a bit miserable and rainy, it's, you, you look out the window and you think, it could happen. <laughs> so after they came back from the war, they they got a, what, they got a house in well, Peterborough. We, no, we lived in a place, uh, a street called Church Walk, which yeah. was sort of fairly central. And they lived there, or we lived there for... I, um, I don't know exactly how long, but we then moved in with my, my grandparents, mm. which was not ideal. And is that when you were little? Yeah. All right. That's when, and they then moved into to Birch Street Avenue, where where, the, where I grew up, mm. probably the early fifties, because they built that estate basically for a lot of the people coming back from the war. Mm. They built two or three in Peterborough, as I'm sure they did in other parts of the country. So then, at this point, you're now. How old? Well, when you moved into Birchery Avenue. Yeah, well, I, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, perhaps, I don't know, perhaps about one or two. Um, but I mean, I didn't start school till I was nearly six because I was in Greece. And I. Uh, so why were I, you? I, I, why I, were I, you I, in Greece? Well, my mother hadn't been back since she left mm. and went to see her father. Yeah. And her three sisters that mm. she'd left. So she was is partly homesick and. Um, from nine, she left at, at the end of the war, and, and this is 1952. Mm. So that's a period of six, seven years, or whatever it is. Yeah, and she hadn't been so, um, and it was way before um, charter flights, and we couldn't have, afford, have afforded a, a proper plane there. So mm. we went by train to Venice, and then further down, we actually on the Orient Express. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of times because we went to Greece that way. When when, we, when there were the four children, hmm. it was even, would have been more ludicrous for to afforded plane fare, etc. So we used, we used to do that. And on this occasion, to Venice, and then um, got a train down to to Brindisi, and then across um, uh, to Greece that hmm. way. And I say I had my fifth birthday um, in Greece, and, and it was after. So I started school a little bit later than. I, I perhaps ought to have done. And that's held you about your whole life, hasn't it? Not in the slightest. <laughs> I'm joking. Well, yeah, I, I, I always loved school, so yeah. I mean, it wasn't as if I, I felt I was missing it. But Yeah. 
So you mentioned uh, the the four children going across. That's you, so you're one of four. Yeah, I'm, I'm the eldest, obviously. Obviously, the eldest. Also, my my, my brother, my brother Philip, hmm. was two between two and three years old, and when we came back, he was second oldest. Yeah, he's yeah. second. He he couldn't speak English. He didn't speak English. He used to speak Greek. Hmm. And when the the next door neighbours that we had. He would be playing with um, one of the uh, boy called Brian mm. next door, and Brian would come round to my mum and say, "Philip's just said this. What what did he say?" And she had to translate for it. And it was a little time before he was able to to learn to speak English properly again. So the, the people on the estate would have thought that he was, you know, like a little migrant child you'd taken in. <laughs> um, so brothers and sisters, let's do a roll call. Well, my mother always wanted a, a daughter. Yeah. And then she had three boys in a row. Oh, right. I think when my sister was born, <laughs> thank goodness for that. Yeah. That child had to keep trying for any more after that. So so um, she was the Victoria Beckham <laughs> of, the, of, the, of, of, the, of the estate in Peterborough. <clears throat> so you had three boys. And yeah. so what? So names, let's go through names. Well, was, Philip was second, then yeah. was Paul, yeah. and my sister Barbara. Did you act like an eldest brother, as you, as you were called? I used to... Fight a bit with Philip. He used to take all my toys to bits. We had, we, we used to, because he was very mechanical. He yeah. would. I'd like bit of pre-scale extricts. I had a, a, a set of cars that would go round a figure eight and what have you. Yeah. And he used to take them to bits, and then perhaps not quite be able to put them back together again. Well, that's because the fun bit is taking them to bits. And, so we did used to fight a bit over that. When I was a bit older, how much younger was he than you? It, three years. Right. And then my other brother was another three years, mm. and my sister was then, I think, 18 months after. Mm. Um, I did perhaps tend to look after my sister a bit more, especially when I got a bit older. That feels natural, doesn't it? Um, especially when I was doing my teacher training. Mm. I um, she used to I, I used to get letters and stuff about projects that she was doing. and Yeah. I um, So you're, you're seven or eight years older than her? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're now five or six, and you're you're now at school. I mean, did you did you have any favourite toys that were the things that you most remembered and you most liked playing with? I had a thing called Snoopy Sniffer, and it was a mechanical <laughs> it was a mechanical dog. Yeah, that used to sort of go up and down yeah. when you went after you went. It was a clockwork thing. It was a I metal, imagine it would. It was a metal thing. <laughs> um, it, <laughs> I remember my um, Snoopy I, Sniffer. Snoopy, Snoopy Sniffer. I'm, okay. sure, I'm sure if you Google it, did but, it go on a track? I'm going to Google it now. Did it, go, <laughs> did it go on a track? On no, a no, it would just go on anywhere, anywhere. All right, Snoopy Sniffer. Yeah, that's it. There he is. Look at Snoopy. And the tail used to go boing. Cause it was on a metal um, twangy thing. You know, yeah. So, and and it, and it used to just go up and down like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like a bride's nighty. <laughs> and, and my dad. Made me a boat for when it for bath time. He made you a boat. Uh, yeah, um, out out of wood. Um, so we he talk- used to, he used to call me Mickey de Moak when I was little, whatever that meant, and that was the name of the boat. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, so he named the boat Mickey de Moak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you would have painted that on at the uh, yeah, front, yeah, yeah. Was at the front end. <laughs> I don't know if that's the bow or the stern. So, <laughs> so tell me about your dad. Tell me about Granddad Jim. He was. Um, he he was quite a strong character, but he was very very quiet. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's almost anything for a, a quiet life. And the job that he had, I mean, he'd, he'd served in the Royal Engineers, hmm. uh, diffusing bombs and stuff in minefields during the war. 
Um, wow. And he, he told me some horrendous stories about his friends and things that, that, that were killed, etc. Um, but um, so he, he'd always, you know, worked in engineering. And um, the, the, the main job that, that, that he did in, in his early years was with crowning machines that put the putting the tops on on beer bottles or other bottles so mm. the machine would go around and it would put a crown on but he didn't just he didn't do that in england he, he worked at a firm called peter brotherhood who made engines for ships during the war mm. um and he would go to different countries so he'd be away for he'd go to belgium for a couple of weeks or denmark yeah um uh, even went to, to Greece for a, for a month one winter, which made my mum a bit jealous. Well, we used to love it, though, when he went away, because we, we always got a really nice present when he came back. So we used to look forward to my dad going wherever it was. Yeah. He used to bring us something back. Um, and he, he did that for a while. And he then got offered a job um, in Japan, which was a six-months contract. Wow. And, so I'm guessing it must have paid quite well for the time. Well, it would have done. My mother said, unless we can all come, you can't go. Because <laughs> six months. Cause remember, there's four kids my mum's bringing up. Yeah. Um, so uh, she, she, said, she said no, and he didn't do that, and he stopped doing that. And he then progressed onto the on the staff at um, Peter Brothers. Brothers. Yeah, um, which meant he, he didn't have to do that. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm, I'm sure he used to enjoy... Um, you know, not, lot... not always being in a house with four kids in it, <laughs> <laughs> and because it because it was usually working for companies that made beer or whatever it was. It sounds just like it sounds like hell. Yes, it was, <laughs> <laughs> and I was too young to 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 benefit from stuff that he was able to bring back. Did you get on with him? We used to go we used to go fishing mm. together, and it would be dad. I've got my hook caught on the bottom. He'd come across and my hook my, <laughs> was on the bottom. He would fix it out for me. I caught very few fish, but it was it was it was really good. I mean, we used to do it seriously because we'd go at um, three or four o'clock in the morning. Oh wow, that and, is seriously. And there was one occasion when we went and um, we were sat fishing at, at Fotheringay, mm. and then he said to me, "You see that across there?" And there's just a pile of bricks and mm. a little metal fence around it. And he said that was Fotheringay Castle where Mary Queen of Scots was executed. Really? Yeah. And I didn't I didn't didn't know that, that that's what that and it was while we were sticking out of the, the water or No 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 it's, it's on the it's on the bank. Oh okay. It's on the bank. Um I caught a tench which was about five or six pounds, big tench, and we were weighing it. Mm. And as we were weighing it, it slipped and went back in the river. Now, apparently a tench is a very voracious fish. Yeah. And <laughs> nobody caught anything for the rest of the day because we'd gone in a van. There were quite a, a group of us. Oh, that. you mean because you ate all of the other well, fish? Or, you fright, or frightened them away, a bit like oh. a pike might. So there were about six or eight people and, and me, a little boy, yeah. <laughs> and my dad. And, uh, and I'd caught this great big fish. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Splash. Oh, dear. And nobody... <laughs> And I, I'm sure they were all cursing me under their breath that I dropped this fish. Well, but, uh... I bet they were. <laughs> One year, so I mean, so I always like digging, yeah. and, and still to this day, we had a big willow tree at the bottom of our garden, and we started, we, we dug this pit, and then we thought, why don't we tunnel 
underneath into Aldred's house, and they started digging on their side. Mm. And so we dug a huge tunnel. <laughs> we, we built an igloo one year with snow, and it lasted for weeks after the snow had gone. Yeah. So you know, we used to we used to like to do all those sort of things. Anyway, we so we we dug this so we, we could get into Aldred's underneath the um, fence mm. and come up in their garden if we wanted. What we did, we put a board over the top so you couldn't see what it was and then put some bits from the willow tree. Sounds like a nightmare waiting to happen. Go on. Yes. Well, it was for poor old Peter Aldred. Um, And was Peter Aldred the dad? He was the dad. Right. Because he went down to the garden and he walked on this wooden thing there and he fell into the hole. And he, he wasn't too happy. And we had to fill it in, and it was took an all. It was very hard to fill it in because a lot of this had been compacted, and you, you could, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you know, the, the, those are sort of things that you sort of, you know, you'd, you'd go out and you'd see, you'd dig holes, you'd play. What were your other neighbours like? Well, we used to play cricket, and if you hit it over Aldridge, yeah, you got a six. Next door, there was the Woods family, and there was a, a lad there called Jeffrey Woods, yeah, who had his own radio station. Radio what, what, Jeffrey Woods. Well, he worked at a radio station. No, no, he he, he, he was his own little radio. I, I think he's in his bedroom. Yeah, you, you could Aww. only hear, you could only hear it. We could just about pick the signal up where we were next door. Well, <laughs> about twenty meters away. Did he have a lot of records? <laughs> radio Jeffrey Woods. So, and it was called Radio Jeffrey Woods. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why he called it. That. <laughs> if, if you hit the ball over there, you got a twelve. And it was Stratton's next door to that. And if you hit it over there, you, we used to get 24 and you were out. But you had to go and fetch the ball. So so that was a maximum score of 24? Yeah. And you then you were out. fetch your own ball? Well, yeah, well, you that were, seems very unfair to, well, to, to bow out. And, yeah, but know. Stratton's were, weren't too keen to give you the ball back. So it was, well, I'm not going, you go. And it was, oh, it was OK. Well, they were miserable, were they? Unlike Mr Gifford, who lived the other side of us, if you snicked an edge when it went over the fence behind you, yeah. he used to burn the tennis balls. Did he? Or whatever ball you were using, yes. Did you have, like, a little gang of mates who were... Yes. Now, I, I was one of the very few kids who who didn't go to the wreck and play football. Yeah. I didn't... I hated sport. Did you? You, you might find that hard to believe. I do, when considering you, you play all sport now. When you know what career I had in sport. Yeah. Um, but there were, there were a group of us, and we all passed our 11+, plus, yeah. and we all went to Deacon School together. Yeah. There was Keith Lines... Wiggy, that was Brian Smith, called him Wiggy, Dave Bishop, and me. Mm. So there was the four of us. So Deacons was a grammar school. Grammar school, yeah. Yeah. And we all we all went to school, um, the same school together. Mm. Dave Bishop foiled a bank robbery. Really? <laughs> yeah. Outside the Broadway cinema there was a there was a bank. Yeah. And this this guy robbed the bank and Bish ran after this guy, tackled him, held him down until the police came. He, he then oh, yeah. he then could actually drunk out of his head and got arrested. <laughs> and when he came, to, he had to go to court. And when, and when he told the story, mm. the judge actually applauded him and let him off. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, if Deacons was an old grammar school, then that did you have like an old? Did you have quite a? A fusty old headmaster, or uh, William Rainsford Upcott Gill. So, so yes, yes, <laughs> he was great. He used to have huge, great, like more than perhaps twenty-four inch bottom trousers. He'd be on the stage, and you could see he'd got different colour socks on because I'm sure he couldn't see what he was putting on when he got dressed in the morning. Yeah, and he had, he had a really old-fashioned way of talking. My mum used to do 
cheese for when I eventually did play rugby at school. Mm. My mum used to go and do the cheese there because they we had a cooked we had a cooked meal mm. um, when other visiting teams came, um, and uh, so she used to help with that. I mean, I've, I've got a story. You know, I said before I hated sport. Mm. When I was in the the third year, we have we used to have house matches. Yeah, and I was in a house called Danes, and we were playing Britons, mm. and um, Britons were short, and I didn't get picked to play for my own house. I played for Britons. You played against your yeah. own yes. house? Yeah, and I, and I played prop, and I scored six tries. I was mm. so angry. This is on a Wednesday. Yeah. On the Saturday, I'm in the under-15 team playing for my school. Yeah. And I never looked back, and I played rugby throughout that particular time mm. and then at college oh then at peterborough yeah because we had a teacher who peterborough used to have first second third fourth fifth they used to run five teams mm. and he was captain of the peterborough third team and if they were short he used to get people from school to go and play in his team so i started playing rugby at peterborough when i was 16 mm. and, and, in, and and then on into my sixth form um but before that time i just hadn't i just was not sports minded at all mm. i also played in Goal for the school hockey team. I played tennis at school for t- the school team. Um, just not football. Well, they didn't play football. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which so that's the thing. Well. You probably thought you hated sport. It yeah. turns out it's just football you hated yeah. playing. Yeah. From what I know of you, it sounds like you needed you need sports to have a little bit more savagery about. Them. <laughs> so you're in goal at hockey. Yeah. You play. You like playing rugby. You suddenly you score. So I just think you need something where it's less about finesse and more about. You know, <laughs> can I play tennis? Brute force. <clears throat> so you mentioned NME earlier on. Yeah. Now, I, now, obviously, I know because you know you're my dad. <laughs> but that's hugely important to you, isn't it? Music. Always like music because I used to listen to Radio Luxembourg in those days. Mm. Sort of crackly old um, reception, etc. Yeah, right from if I, I I started buying records two years before we had a we, we had a radiogram. So I'm eleven. I bought. Peter Gunn by Dwayne Eddy, a Bobby Darin um, single, because I like the, the flip side was called Bull Moose, mm. and it was fantastic piano saxophone thing. And, what, and I bought a third one, I can't remember, when I first started at Deacon School. Mm. And it wasn't until 1961. And the first record I bought then was Big Bad John. Big by, Bad John. By Jimmy Dean, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we bought three or four records when we got our gramophone. Um, so how often were you able to buy records? Because the thing is, if you're on, are you, were you on pocket money? Did you? Oh yeah, yeah, pocket, you, yeah. But um, I, I had a part time job. I used to work on a Saturday mm. on a, in a a shop called it was called Lavies. It was then called Crooks Gentleman's Tailor Shop. Oh okay. Um, so I used to work on a Saturday there, and I used to get paid about twenty five bob. That's why you fold shirts like you do then. That's a skill I learned from from my part time job. So and so when I was doing that, that was able I was able to buy to buy records. Mm. Although it was mainly singles then, because LPs used to cost like twenty nine and eleven or or, or thirty two shillings or something. Yeah, you know one pound fifty or whatever it is today. Were there any uh, at school? Were there any were there any school bullies? <laughs> I know that there were. <laughs> Please tell me the name of the school bully and what his signature move was. Do you mean? Gasworks Brown. Yes, I mean Gasworks Brown. <laughs> Why was he called Gasworks Brown? Because he used to get the younger boys <laughs> and sit on them 
and fart in their face. <laughs> Gasworks Brown. That's the most Beano name I've ever heard. It's so brilliant. I used to run the, the school film club. All right. With another guy. And we used to choose the films. And we used to invite girls from County Grammar School and also Westwood House. Hmm. So it, it wasn't just a pretext to meet girls, although that was... Although it worked. <laughs> yes. Um, so we used to do plays with them. Um, I even did ballroom dancing at um, just for, for a term. Wow. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine no. what that must look like. You know that bit in Young Frankenstein where they do putting on the Ritz? <laughs> did it look like that? Listen... I and my partner once had to demonstrate a spin turn for the for the quick step. Oh my god! Because we did it so do well. Num- do you have a number on your back? No. In the bin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I know. I can't remember. But the, that. the best bit of it was there was a Polish uh, woman that ran the thing. She was called Miss Tanocek. Yeah. Not not Mister Miss Tanocek. Tanocek. She was beautiful. Yeah. And we used to. And I think we. I think all the lads from school went mainly because of her. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, you could have no chance of uh... no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you had your part-time job. So how often did you, could you get new records? What, what, what you know? What we, what we, what kind of thing were you getting? Well, I bought a lot of. Um, I, I was very much into the shadows because um, this is this as, is as, as rock and roll. Because this is as rock and roll is erupting, isn't yeah, it? This yeah. is so you're you're there at the at the, at the you know this is when music did start to massively it's change. Just, be, just before the Beatles and the Rolling Stones came out, so it, Cliff Richard and the Shadows were the big um, act. That, and I I've always liked Hank Marvin. Yeah. Um, so I, every time a Shadows record came out, I bought one. Mm. So I, I used to buy a lot of instrumentals: the Spotniks, the Tornadoes. Um, so it was mainly instrumental records that I bought. I've never heard of the Spotniks. They had not the Sputniks. No Spotniks. I think they might have been Swedish. They had a record. That's probably how they pronounce Sputnik. The um, Orange Blossom Special. I think they did. It was a speeded up version of whatever it was. Yeah, and they, they were all dressed up like spacemen. Oh, I really? remember thinking about it now. Yeah, of course on black and white TV. Yeah, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, they they are not. Sh- they might have had one or two, and of course the American group, the Ventures. Yeah, that were like the. I've heard of the Ventures. Yeah. I just never heard of the, sp- the, the Spacemen Spotniks. Yeah. What was that like at the time? You know, in schools and in discos and stuff like that. When 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 stuff like the Beatles, and obviously in your case, you're you know you're obviously a Stones fan more than a Beatles fan. What was that like when that you know when that first kicked off? Because because it's I think it's hard to imagine now just how much. Everything changed my with school, that kind of music. Did my, your dad like rock and roll, for example? No. What did he like? But he would. Would he? Did he find it baffling? Well, I, I don't think he, he. He liked South Pacific. Yeah. <laughs> and it was that sort of uh, thing that he liked. But mm. um, my school was. Um, you had to have your your tie tied properly, mm. and you you weren't allowed to have your sideboards too long. Yeah. And there would be a prefect on the door when you went into assembly. And if you if you want probably you would have to sort of adjust your Self. clothing etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But once after when the Rolling Stones came out mm. um, with their unkempt appearance, yeah, um, we used to try and grow our sideboards a little bit longer and longer and longer, just a, a tenth of an inch next time you you trim them, and then grow them a little bit longer. Yeah. So the, it was it was hardly what you'd call major um, 
revolution. Yeah. But it, it, it was trying to get, if you could get your sideboards below the bottom of your ears. Yeah, because 1962, you would have been, what, 15, 16? 15. 15, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they used to have youth clubs, mm. and youth clubs used to play music. Yeah. So somebody would have a, a record player and play music, mm. and you didn't necessarily dance to it. So you might be playing, no, you're playing ping you'd pong. be playing ping pong or badminton. <laughs> you or can't whatever dance it was. when you're playing ping pong. You know. So yeah. So I mean, I I, I didn't go to um, you know discos, clubs but but like yeah, but youth clubs and stuff. Yeah, where you yeah. first was is that where you first started hearing it? Do you remember where you were when you first heard a Stones record? Or heard of them? You know, I don't think I do, and that's that's awful. But we used to have parties when you were 14, 15, 16, and you had a, you went to a party at someone's house. At someone's house, yeah. There was it was always it was always the Rolling Stones. The, the parties I went to it was always Rolling Stones records. Yeah, there were one or two records that that, in, that I've heard. There was a, a guy at college who came through once. And he came. I've just heard this fantastic record. It's called River Deep Mountain High, and it's by Argentina Turner. Because <laughs> <laughs> he'd listen to it on Luxembourg. Argentina oh, Turner. Oh, it's not on Radio but, Luxembourg. Yeah, yeah. They, they said, oh, they said, oh, I didn't know. It would have been Radio Caroline. Right. Um, pirate Radio. Uh, anyway, Argentina Turner. <laughs> When you got older, did you still have contact with your relatives out in Greece or, or the Greek when, family? Right. When I went, when I was five, one of my grandfather's brothers, who didn't speak English, Tasso, his name was, used to take me to the Cineac once a week. And the Cineac used to show Mickey Mouse films, cartoons. Yeah. And he used to take... So we, we used to go. He'd Steamboat Willie. Do you remember when that was premiered? Shut up. <laughs> About 1927, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um... So he used to take me to the cinema once a week. Yeah. Um, and then we'd go out and have a meal or whatever it was. Um, so, um, that, you know, that and was... that's some, when you were five. That, yeah, so yeah. I always remembered that. And then there was um, a, a cousin, um, or one of my mother's cousins. We called him uncle, but he was... Um, he, he was actually the son of another one of my grandfather's brothers. And, we'd and this a, is your uncle's uncle status. status. Um, he loved the shadows as well. I used to send him, I used to send him singles. Yeah. How much older than you was he? Was he like a young uncle? Yeah, he always seemed up, seemed young. Mm. Yes, yeah. Um, he must have been twenty, thirty years old. I don't know. Mm. But he he was such a nice, kind guy. Mm. Um, the sad thing is, what we when I moved to Greece about eleven years or so ago, mm. I never got a chance to see him. And he died. Oh, and I was like, oh, I shall cry. Mm. Um, uh, when I found out that he died, mm. and I hadn't been to see him, I was so upset because mm. he had a heart of gold. Mm. You know, would do anything for anybody, and he loved his radio. Yeah, his a, his shortwave radio. Whenever I used to go to his house, he'd say, "This, this is Tokyo or somewhere," and he'd find something and play. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was like a like a little kid, like I was sometimes. Yeah. Um, Didn't you go to visit him when you were sixteen or something? Can't tell that story. Yes, you can. I can't. Of course, you can. People will hear it. <laughs> I spent before I started sixth form. Yeah, I spent eight weeks. Yeah, in Greece, which meant I was two weeks late start starting my A levels. Yeah, and I'd gone by train on mm. my own. Was that the Orient Express again? Uh, it wasn't. It was the same route, but it wasn't the Orient Express at oh, that okay. particular time. And it was still Yugoslavia in those days, which you went through. 
And even though you, you've got a ticket, in Yugoslavia, the locals used to get on with goats and sheep. I went to the toilet once, there was a woman milking a goat in one of the toilets. <laughs> Honestly. Because <laughs> um, they, they, they stopped at all, and so people would get on at one station and get off to a few stops later. Yeah. Um, and um, I've, I've seen worse on the St. Neots train. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, so I, I had eight weeks there and I stayed with Stathis' parents. But Stathis used to work during the day. Mm. Um, and sometimes he wouldn't come home until quite late. So we'd go out, we wouldn't go out until like 10 o'clock at night. Mm. And we used to go to places and we'd be out till two or three o'clock and have a kebab on the way home and all this sort of thing. <laughs> and then three for three weeks, we were going to go to Kos. Mm. And I can't, I can't tell the story, Chris. I don't think I know the story. Oh, I'm not going to tell you then. <laughs> There's a tradition in Greece. For when you've got someone who's young, yeah, the father takes the, the his young son out to for, to a prostitute. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Well, they used to it. Perhaps it doesn't happen now. Stathis and um, we're, we're walking around, and there's this really pretty young woman there. And Stathis is talking to her. Yeah. And he's t- he's telling her that I'm 19. Yeah. You, you know, he's getting air. And I said, "Oh, he I'm 16." Yeah. And she walked off. <laughs> and it was only. A long time later, I suddenly thought, "That's that's what it was." He was trying. <laughs> that's not too bad, is it? No. Okay. If 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 you if yeah. you'd done it, that would be. I'm, I'm really glad you didn't tell me that story. I thought, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, my first time was with a hooker. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When I was at school, Mm. I always wanted to be a policeman, always wanted to be a detective. Yeah. There was a TV programme called No Hiding Place. Yeah. It was on a Monday night about eight or nine o'clock, eight o'clock, I think it was. Yeah. Chief Inspector Lockhart, I think it was. Yeah. There's an actor called Clive Francis. There is, yeah. Well, I think it was his father. Oh, okay. That was that was Chief Inspector Lockhart, mm. and I loved that program. And I've always liked police dramas. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to be a detective. Mm. And I wore glasses. I went for a medical. Yeah. Which I passed. There was some written thing I had to do, and then I went for an eye test. 
and I'm just, I have my eye test, and I'm just, I've turned around to go. The, the guy hadn't said anything, and he then, he then said to me, do you wear glasses? I thought, well, I can't lie to a policeman. So I said, yes. And when I, as soon as I said yes, I knew it was not, wouldn't be accepted. You could not wear glasses in the police force then. A few, I think it was a few months later they oh, relaxed the rule. That's ridiculous. Um, the only careers advice you had in those days was, was like, what do you want to do, where do you want to be? Mm. And I had a, I had a meeting with him, and he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I've got a clue. He said, have you ever thought about teaching? And I said, no. He said, look, here's six colleges. Mm. Why, don't, why don't you apply for them and see what, what happens? And um, I sent an invitation, sent the, the application off, mm. um, and within about three or four days, I got an interview, mm. and I got in. <laughs> so that was how <laughs> I became a teacher. I hadn't, I'd never thought about it before. What was the school? What was the college? It was part of Keele University. It was called Maidley College near mm. Stoke-on-Trent. In in halls, or were you in shared? Yeah, no, I I was in a hall of residence all three years. Did you, did you have like a housekeeper or, or, <laughs> or people who clear? I was on the ground floor. Yeah, of a. I think seven floor, seven story building, mm. and my cleaner, um, who uh, what, uh, even when I was at the teaching later on, I always used to look after the cleaner because I think the cleaners are very important to yeah. keep on the right side. Um, <laughs> I, I did a teaching practice in the local village, so I knew her and her husband, mm. and we were out one night in a in a pub. We were on the Cheshire border. We were actually in. And we were in Staffordshire. We went into this pub in Cheshire, and I saw her in the pub with somebody who wasn't her husband. Oh, looking cosy. And I so I said so. I I just sort of went, raised my hand, yeah, and, and didn't say anything. And now they lived on a farm. The next day, she brings me some Cheshire cheese in, <laughs> fresh Cheshire cheese from her farm. She used to keep me in eggs, cheese, and whatever else. And we it was never discussed. But it, I'm, I'm sure it was. I'm bringing you this yeah. so that you you won't. You so won't, please don't won't. please don't tell my husband. Yeah. I wrote to Manchester United, said we were doing a documentary, and there was a, a, a bloke called Phil Glover who was the year below me, and we, we were quite big mates, and he was a big Man United fan. And we went to a Man United. We got we got press tickets to go to Manchester United mm. to film a game, and we met everybody before the game. Met Matt Busby, really? Yeah, shook hands with Matt Busby. Met his son. Um, I had a wee next to George Best, elbow to elbow. Wow! Did you touch elbows? <laughs> wow! Um, Have you got anything to report about that? Or? <laughs> Drew what they say, and uh, <laughs> Kenneth Wollstoneholm of the, the the famous. I think it's all over. Yeah, he was the the commentator. We met him and some guys from the Sunday Times and whatever. And Kenneth Wollstoneholm came over and he said, "Would you like my autograph?" And I thought, "No, <laughs> you, you don't." If somebody offers you, you know, Phil, he he got his autograph. Yeah, I'm like, this, this well, is. I tell you why, though, because he was being polite. <laughs> You obviously decided not to be. Well, I thought you don't. You know, you are. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. That is a weird thing to do. So I, I said, I said no, mm. not because I don't like you. Was this, but... was this pre? They yeah, think it, it's it, all over. Yeah, it was because right. thinking about. Because I tell you what, had it been post, they think it's all over. Days, I you might, might have, have said gone, yes. Yeah. Um, and we 
we didn't film from the halfway line. We went behind each goal. Mm. And I was behind the goal where Alex Stepney was in goal the first half. And some of the away fans... <coughs> were, were... <coughs> so you filmed from behind the goal? Yeah, right. Mm. We're actually virtually on the goal line. And Alex Stepney was the goalkeeper at the end I was. And... Um, I've still got to this day a coin that one of the away fans threw, threw at Stepney. They used mm. to throw coins at the goalkeeper in those days to try and put the goalkeeper off. Yeah. And I kept one of these. I'm aiming at me. I'll be aiming at the goalkeeper. <laughs> um, so we, we've got film from either end, rather like a tennis match, mm. rather than halfway. And we put the two films together because Phil was down the other end. Yeah. Um, he, I got George Best scoring a goal from with a great long shot, and he got him scoring the goal in closer. So we, we put the... The two together. So you you filmed that's Russia. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I used that as part of my because you, you could you could have a, a project you could end in as a film assignment. Yeah. And I had that film. Have you still got that? Right. And this is the sad bit. Oh. Phil Glover, if you're out there still, um, he asked he wrote to me when I'd started teaching, saying, "Have you still got that film? Because I'm going to use it this year for my assignment." Yeah. <laughs> and I sent it to him, oh. and I never got it back. Oh bloody hell! <laughs> And now I don't want to get all good by Mr. Chips here, but do you remember your first day as a teacher? I taught at one of the last two all-age schools in the country. All, age all ages from five to fifteen was school leaving age when I started teaching. Wow! You can leave fifteen. You started at five and you went through to fifteen in the same school. I've, I've and that and they were obviously they the, used the fact they were the last two. There were only two left in the whole country. Now I. Was uh, that the norm that they were all at all schools but well, all age? Well, many many years ago, they used to have a lot more of them. Anyway. Right. Okay. Right. Um, and um, I actually contacted because because I'd finished in your last year, you finish in like early June or whatever it was. Mm. I'd got the job lined up, contacted the head and said, "Could I come in and do the last month before the end of term?" Yeah. Um. And you know to to get used to the school and what what I'm doing, etc. And they said yes. And not only that, they started to pay me. And the beauty of that was my contract started before the end of the summer holiday. Now, so I got paid for the summer holiday as oh, well. Oh, that's very good. And having done things like potato picking and fruit picking in the previous summers, yeah. to to do nothing apart from <laughs> sitting in the garden with some lemonade. <laughs> um, so uh, that's what I did. And, and my timetable was great because I used to teach the secondary part of the school. Mm. Um, did you have to teach any under? Yeah, I'm just going to say that. Oh, sorry. What 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 I did was it was basically the secondary, which is what I was trained for. But two afternoons a week, mm. I taught um, seven to eight year olds. And in those days, you could virtually do what you wanted. And I loved it because you were the first person to... Mind you, you could be the first person to tell them something when they are 16 as well. But to be the first person... And I did a lot of my film stuff. So one thing that we did, I got them all to do paintings Mm. of a particular event. And we had tape recorder and got the kids to speak about whatever it was. So that was the soundtrack. So when you played the film back, because I filmed all these... um, uh, Their... um, paintings and things. Mm. And you, the soundtrack is their commentary on, on, on the reel-to-reel tape that mm. we had. And then the best thing that we did, we did the Fire of London. And we made we made London out of matchboxes. So you could get about four or five matchboxes and then you have like a cantilever bit. So you've got a bit that protrudes, put the roof on it. And um, so I'm teaching about the Fire of London. Mm. 
and we you so you could do it two afternoons a week and it could last for four or five weeks, whatever you were doing. Mm. And then we set fire to it. So we had a real fire. Really? Yes. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> you probably won't be allowed well, to do that now. No. Do you know what? You absolutely <laughs> wouldn't be allowed to do that. And then we torched it. <laughs> and because they, they would do, so we looked at architecture and the half-timbered buildings and what they were made of and yeah. wattle and daub. Uh, uh, and so, you, so there was, I was teaching history as well. Yes. And But just as a guess, what's their favourite bit, do you think, learning about wattle and daub? Or was it when you <laughs> set fire to it? <laughs> I'll get back to you on that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I can, I can imagine. Um, so your first school was at an all-age school. Yeah. When next? So I went for um, an interview at East Home mm. Boys, East Home Girls. East Home Girls. Uh, yeah. Da, 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 yeah. Neil Tennant, he was there. <laughs> um, and I walked around East Home Girls School, and there wasn't a sound. Yeah. And it was so quiet, I thought, I can't teach here. I went to East Home Boys, and it was... Um, Quite a lot different, and I thought I can't teach you here either. <laughs> I was offered jobs at both, yeah. And the head at the Duke of Edinburgh School in Thorny contacted the head at Stanground and mm. said, um, "I've got um, a, a young teacher here." Blah 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 mm. blah. And so I went for an interview at Stanground. So yeah, so I, I started at at, at, uh, at Stanground, uh, where I was for thirty. Three or thirty-four years, mm. <laughs> for a very long time. I knew it was time to leave when people were saying, "You taught my grandma." <laughs> <laughs> you used to get a lot of "You taught my mum" or "You taught my dad." Yeah, um, but when it was "You taught my grandma," I thought this is time to go. In amongst the teaching, you got married. Yes. How did you meet? How did you meet my mother? <laughs> <laughs> At the rugby club. Yeah. It was the, towards the end of October. There used to be a a fair, that a travelling fair that came to Peterborough. Yeah, and it used to meet in what was called Fair Meadow, right, um, near the football ground. There's a group of there used to be a lot of nurses used to sort of come down to the the rugby club. Mm. We're trying to hoover up a nice rugby player, and one of um, Sandra's friends poured a pint of beer all over me. Oh. Do you remember why? And I don't think she, I don't think she does either. Pat Green, yeah, um, who married, whose son is Jimmy Mystery, because Sandra used to babysit. Yeah, and um, Sandra felt a bit aggrieved, and she came across the sort of apparently she she quite liked my bottom. She said, "I don't know what was wrong with her face," but <laughs> <laughs> um, and they said, "Who's coming to the fair?" I said, "I'm, not, I'm, I'm still a bit wet." I said. No, no. And Sandra said she wasn't going to go either. Mm. And a lot of people went. So we said, bring us a coconut back. And somebody did bring us a coconut back yeah. later in the evening because we were there quite a long time. And sort of got chatting to to, to Sandra. And uh, then it was, it was time to go. So we kissed goodnight. And we arranged to meet on the Tuesday. And she um, didn't remember the kiss goodnight, which I thought was a good sign. <laughs> and she, was, she was at the nurse's home at that particular time. Yeah. And one night we were... Um, the Grange, which is a sports field not far away from the hospital, we walked across there, and when we sat on the swings, and it was just after three weeks, yeah, and we looked at all the houses with the curtains shut and the light shining through them, and said, "Should we get married?" Oh, I've said that. You and, said that. Yeah, and someone said, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> so all right. Is that kid. really how you said it? Honestly, it's not like, yeah. I didn't say, "Will you marry me?" No, no. It's. We were looking at all the houses where people lived, and it was 
we're just uh, sitting on the swing. Yeah. I think it was about midnight. Um, and uh, when I went home, and never forget this, because my dad's halfway up a little stepladder doing some wallpapering, mm. and my mum's in the kitchen. And I said to my dad, guess what? And he said, what? I said, I'm going to get married. <laughs> and my mum said, do you think we could meet the girl first? Because <laughs> they, they never met someone. I can imagine her saying that. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, <laughs> um, so we arranged for Sandra to come round. And, uh, How did that go? Can you can you remember that? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the the big laughing point of it all was there's some glasses there that had there there were there were like drinking um, glasses, drinking glasses yeah. that had little sort of half balls underneath them. There were sort of bobbly underneath. Yeah, quite st- sturdy glasses. Yeah, Barbara nicked them from the nurse's home, and Sandra <laughs> said, "I had a party, and somebody nicked my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> it was my sister, so- Barbara." And nicked- <laughs> So that was that was that came out on the first. Um... So basically, she came round and was was given a glass that had been stolen from her. Yeah, <laughs> by your sister. Yeah, because so Barbara had been to this party at the nurse's home. Well, we were going to get married on May the twentieth, which was after the rugby season finished. Yes. But Sandra's brother invited some of his friends to our wedding for May the thirteenth, which meant I had to, we had to miss I had to miss the um, seven aside tournament at the end of the season. So oh, we, well, I thought wait till the end of the rugby season. Yeah, um, and so that that's why we got married on May the thirteenth rather than the twentieth. But I remember there were people in in the village of Stilton. Yeah, that were saying. You know, she must be up the duff or something. You know, she's getting. Why is she getting married so quickly? Blah 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 blah. blah, blah. Yeah. The way that people's t- tongues wag or what have you. Yeah. Which was, you know, far from the truth. Um, and uh, yeah, because you took ages before you had me. <laughs> well, we were told we weren't. We couldn't have children. Yeah. Which was a little bit upsetting. Well, especially would have made this podcast impossible. Yes. <laughs> and then you were born, weighing eleven and a half pounds. Yeah. I'd, I'd actually been at a football match the night before Sandra was on. I'd played tennis with my, with my mate Terry. Yeah. And Terry Jones. Yeah, and, oh. and, and Sandra was lying in the park on a bench because the ball hit, hit the hit the bump at one point, but not very hard. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, what that was. And I went to a Peterborough football match because my name got called out. Yeah. On the third time, I thought perhaps it was important. <laughs> well, no, because... There was no question that you were going to be born that day. Yeah. So I, I went out the football ground. And yet it's, it, there was no question I was going to be born that day, and yet it took you three times to be called by the football announcer Tannoy well, thing. Oh, no, it was ring the hospital. So I rang the hospital and said, you've been admitted. And they said, no, nothing happening for hours yet. So I went to the, the Whittleway, had a couple of pints and a pie. Yeah, because, I mean, whilst this, you know, whilst in, to today's audiences that might sound horrific... And like you should have been there, but if one born every minute is not. It's not. That's not how it was then. You, no. I don't. People weren't scrub up and present at the birth, were they? Um, were you, you weren't there when I was coming out, were you? Yeah. Were you? Yeah, but it wasn't till the next day. Oh, okay. I went back to my parents' house, which yeah. was not that far to go. On the way home, I found um, a dead rabbit. Right. Right. And when I got home, I knocked on the door to go in because it was locked because it was. Latish then, and Bar- Barbara and my sister opened the door, and I said, "I've got some good news and some bad news." <laughs> I said, "The good news is she's had it, yeah, but the bad news." And I held the rabbit up by the ear, it might be the hair, yeah. held it up by the ears, and said, "It was a rabbit," <laughs> and my sister fainted. <laughs> 
Well, even if it wasn't a horrible thing to do, you were holding a dead rabbit you'd found in the street. <laughs> That was well, never, it was never going to go well. No, but I've, I've always been a bit of a joker, I think. Um, OK, I don't know how we segue out of my birth. That's a, that's a new one in this podcast. Um, so let's um, let's talk about the end of the end of teaching and the next chapter. So you retired. How old were you when you retired from teaching? Fifteen. I, I took early retirement because you could retire at 60. Yeah. But by early retirement, it was only a few months early. And we've been to a place called Stupa, which is mainland Greece in the Peloponnese, um, 1995, 1998, 99. And we then said, why don't we, why don't we see if we can find somebody who can help us, you know, find a house? Mm. And we, we met the guy that we thought was the local ice cream parlour guy, yeah, who um, turned out to be a civil engineer, and that was like the part. It was a pastime doing the ice cream thing, and he rang somebody up who he'd built a house for, mm. and we got invited round that afternoon or that evening. Went and had a look at this house, which was fantastic, and then went back to Dimitri. His name was, mm. and um, he, uh, with a guy called Vangeli, spent three days taking us round looking at various sites mm. where a house could be built, and. Um, Cut a long story short, we chose a particular site and um, had the house built there. Mm. I like to end talking about teaching, I think, you know, because it was something you did for so long. And, you know, as much as I take the mick, everyone I've ever bumped into, you know, around Yaxley or Peterborough, who you were a teacher of, has always had nothing but lovely things to say about what you were like as a teacher and that you were good fun and, you know, that they learned lots and stuff like that. What was it that you loved about teaching? I never called it going to work. Mm. I always called it going to school. Yeah. And I always said, if it ever feels like going to work, then that'll be the time to go. Yeah. So I never left school, really, because I, I liked school when I was a kid. Mm. Um, enjoyed college. Um, I've always enjoyed the the idea of study and doing assignments and... Mm. Uh, and what have you. Um, and because I was a history teacher, and people think, oh, history's just a load of old dates, mm. um, tried to do the opposite for that and to, and to get people to think about... I mean, everything is that you live is history. Mm. So history is everywhere. Um, is, is to um, look at questions that you can ask about things and look at examples of things. And it doesn't matter whether it was 1066 or 1067 or 1068 or whatever. You know, the, the dates aren't that important. Mm. It, it's it's the social history. It's the, the reasons why things happen. Yeah. Um, because that's the way that you can interpret what's going to happen in the future because everything is cyclical. Um, thank you for being on Two Cups of Tea. Or even One Cup of Coffee. Oh, yeah. Thank you for being on One Cup of Coffee. And that was my dad, actually. I did manage to learn some things I wasn't aware of before, so that's always a bonus. As you just heard, this podcast is about sharing some fantastic life stories, but there are well over a million chronically lonely people in the UK who have no one to share their stories with. If you'd like to know more about ways to change this, then please go online and visit campaigntoendloneliness.org and find out how together we can try to make loneliness a thing of the past. Thanks again to my dad, and also thanks to Acast for hosting this show. See you next time.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.